Welcome to Mishnah study. We're up to Masechet Pe'aperek Zayin, Mishnah, Perekim Mishnah Zayin. Over here we're going to speak about the minimum size of a field that you need for Pe'ah, right? How big of a field do you need in order to give Pe'ah? We'll see a machloket between many Tanaim. Um, and then we're going to start to digress into, um, you'll see, through the end of the Perek, um, just a you know, quick digression. Rabbi Yoshua Omer, Haosa Sa'ataim. Rabbi Tarfon Omer, Shisha al Shisha Tefahim. Rabbi Yoshua ben Betera Omer, Kedelik Sor Vedishnot, Vedaha Kidvarav. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Karka Kol Shehu, Hayevit Bapea, Uba Bikurim, Vedik Tovala Perosbol, Vedik Notimone Hasim Sheena Hemahayut, Behesef, Ubishtar, Ubhazaka. Okay, so Starting off with Rabbi Eliezer's opinion, how much of a field do you need to own for in order to give pea? So karka betrova, that's hayavin pea. So betrova is literally um, a place, uh, a field that you need a rova greva kav in order to plant it, right? So how much seeds would you need to plant? So it's about you know a quarter of a kav. Um, a kav itself is twenty-four betza, so a quarter of that would be six betza worth. Um, each pesa is three, about approximately three, um, you know, volume ounces, right? Three ounces of volume measurement. So this comes out to 18 ounces of volume measurement. That's how much seed he would hold in, he'll hold in his hands, um, the, a field big enough in order to plant all those seeds. Rabbi Yoshua says, right? A field that's big enough in order to produce two se'a worth of, 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 um, of grain. Right, six by six tachim. One amma by one amma. Four and a half by four and a half. Rabbi Yoshua ben Betera Omer k'delik sor v'dishnot v'alacha k'dvarav. Right, in order to cut, right, so you take one swoop. Rambam explains it that you, you take, you know, two, you grab one one uh, fistful of uh, of a grain and then a second time. Right, so you know, two, you know, um, bunches. Uh, that you know, the field that big enough field. That's what you have in here. Um, and now the halacha kidvarav, over here, who's saying this? Halacha kidvarav. So it seems like it's Rabbi Udanasi, right? Rabbi Udanasi over here, who edited, codified the Mishnah. He's the one, he's been being posek halacha over here. Halacha is like Yoshua Mimitra. Interestingly enough, though, based on the Talmud, right? Harambam will say later, halacha is not like Rabbi Yoshua Mimitra. Halacha is going to be like Rabbi Akiva, um, based on other principles. Uh, that we have in Piskei Halakha. What does Rabbi Akiva say? Karaka Koshu, any amount of land is going to be Hayavit Bapi'ah. Right? Any amount is going to be Hayavit Bapi'ah. Now, additionally, any amount of land, you're also going to be Hayavit Bikurim. Right? Rotsilomar, Hava'at Bikurim. Right? Bringing the, the Bikurim. Meaning, as long as you own land, you need to own land, or you have to be a landowner in order to bring Bikurim to, to Yerushalayim. How big of land do you need to own? Any amount of land. Similarly, right, if a person wants to write a Pirozbol, right, we know at the end of the seventh year, the end of the seventh uh, Shemitah year, um, a person needs to forego all his debts. Right? If he lent money to a poor person, uh, he needs to say, that's it, it's, uh, it's, it's canceled, the debt is canceled. Now, what happened was, um, the Torah warned you know, against actually you know, the seventh year is going to come, you know, some of the wealthier people are going to say, I don't know, I don't want to lend the poor people, I don't want my debt to be canceled, and that's what actually says, you know, 
shouldn't happen. Karavashinata Sheva Shinata Shemita, Virainecha Bahicha Abyom Lotitin Lo. I'm gonna see it. Ani, I'm not gonna give in. No, Naton Titen Lo, you have to give him. But what happened? Historically, what happened with time? People didn't want to give. So Hachamim said, what are we gonna do? Now that the Anim aren't getting anything. Right? We can't just erase the halacha, right? We can't say, oh, I'm just gonna you know discredit Shemitah. We can erase Shemitah from the Torah. We need to work within the framework of halacha um, as it's evolving, and we need to be able to, to work with it. But we can't just you know cancel it. That's that, that's not an approach. So what did the Hachamim come up with? They came up with this concept called the Piroz Bull, which basically you're writing your debt to the Bedin, and the Bedin is going to go ahead and uh, collect that. Now, how does this work? The Bedin, the bedin is ba we're basically saying that you need to have land, meaning the person who um, borrowed money needs to own land. And then we could write this Piroz Bull, because as long as the person who borrowed money has land, now the lender could go ahead and there's a, there's a lien on, on what, he, what he lent out. At any time, you could go and take that land. Now, as long as the borrower has land, we're going to say it's as if the Betin owns that land, right? When the Shemitah comes, and when the, the Betin is allowed to go ahead and um, collect the uh, money in return. So, as long as you have any amount of land, you can write a Peros bull, right? The person who's lending is allowed to write a Peros bull, and th therefore, and from there on, even after the Shemitah year, they would be able to collect uh, the debt that was due to them. Similarly, any amount of land is good enough to purchase nechasim, right? To purchase um, any type of possessions, she'en lahem achrayut, that there are no responsibility attached towards them. How so? Through kesef, shtar, and hazaka, through money, through shtar, and hazaka. Now, Harambam over here goes, and he lays out some important principles just to understand what, it, what does it mean possessions that there are no responsibility for. And he explains that there are two types of possessions. Um, one is things that are movable objects. Uh, anything outside of land, right? So you have uh, merchandise, uh, coins, some precious stones, all those are called Things, you know, nechasim she'en lahem achrayut. There's no responsibility attached to it. They're possessions. Uh, now, if someone, let's say, let's, let's say someone lent me money. You lent me money. Now, I don't pay back on time. What happened was, I, 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 I want, you, know, you, want, you want to collect the money. I didn't pay you back. What happened in the meantime? I took something that I own. I took my watch, right? This is something... That and I sold it to someone else. You're not allowed, when you want to collect the money, to take that watch from the person I sold it to. But let's say I had property, I had a house, right? And you lent me money. Now it comes to pay, the, to pay back the debt. I don't have the money to pay back. You're allowed to go. I went ahead and in between, I went and sold my property. I sold my house to someone. Now you are allowed to go and take that house from the person I sold it to because you had a lien on that house. So you're allowed to go take that, that house. Why? Because that is nechasim sheyesh lahem achrayut. That's property, right? That's possession. That, that, that's property that there is a responsibility attached towards it. Now, what falls under this? 
Right, that, that was land falls under that you know that that uh, that category of uh, possessions that you know property that there is a a, um, a lien or a responsibility attached to it. Now, additionally, it's important to know that possessions that don't have any responsibility attached to it, right? These are called metaltevin. You can only purchase them through meshicha, right? Through through pulling, right? Through lifting the object. You cannot buy it with money. Right? I go to a store officially, Din Torah. I, I want to buy a watch. I give them money. It's not mine until I actually lift the watch and take it into my possession. Right? Nor with the shtar, nor with the contract. Right? The only thing I could do is mishicha, actually pulling the object. But karka, right? which is nechasim sheyesh lehem right? land, those are purchased through kesef, through money, through a shtar contract, and through hazaka, using the property. So now go back to Mishnah. What are we saying? We're saying that if a person goes ahead and he buys land, a one more principle, if a person does buy land, right, and he buys it through kesef, shtar, or a hazaka, right, he also buys the items that are on top of it, right? So if a person buys a house, he buys property, right, he's allowed to buy it with coins, with money. Now, he also, if he agreed to also purchase the furniture inside, that's also his, right? As soon as he uses it, uses that, 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 that house, also that furniture becomes him. Or he pays for it, that furniture also becomes his agav through, even, you know, through the purchase of the property itself. So Al-Mishnah is teaching us what? That if you have any amount of land and you purchase any amount of land, even though you're not allowed to purchase metal telin, you can't purchase uh, possessions through Kesef, Shtan, and Hazaka, but because you're allowed to purchase land through that, if you purchase any amount of land, you also purchase the possessions that are on top of that land. Um, and like I said earlier, any amount of land, right? doesn't matter how small, falls onto this category that one is it's the minimum size of a field for pe'ah. And additionally, everything we said over here that, you know, it's enough land to bring bifkurim for, it's enough land to write a pe'ah's bow for, and it's enough land that if you purchase possessions, um, agav, alongside that land, uh, that would also all become yours. That's all for now. Next Mishnah, we're also going to see uh, something also similar cases that fall under the category of nechasim she'esh lehem achrayut, um, or karka koshu, that term of how it's going to flow through the end of the Perek.